Hi, it's George. Just wanted to let you guys know that Uncommon Commons has a Patreon. For $1 a month, it gets you access to all of our bonus content, including the common area. Hi there, I'm George. And I don't want to be here. I'm actively dying. How are you doing, George? I'm passively dying, thank you. For $100 a month, you will be rocketed into the void itself. What mere disassociation could not do, we will do for you. What is the scariest horror film you've ever seen? Garfield the movie. Interesting. (laughs) (laughs) If I dropped you in Victorian England, you would be the definition of a madman and you'd be in bedlam in five seconds flat. I would be Sherlock Holmes, and I would be solving mysteries. (laughs) Plus, exclusive stories not available anywhere else, like Help Wanted. Thomas laid on his bed for what may have been hours. He had fallen asleep after letting himself get carried away by the pizza. The pizza box was torn and thrown across the room after every ounce of meat and cheese and grease had been leached from it. The television was on. On it, a puppet was telling a group of kids about the number six. Suddenly, the oven caught on fire. A small pizza inside had gone unattended for too long. Thomas released the crank and made for the emergency exit. Before he could lay his hands on the handle, the flames from the oven encircled him. So, click the link in the description and join us today. Stay. And remember, nothing is real. Uncommon Commons is a horror anthology podcast written and recorded by George Plank and Alex Vitale. Content warnings can be found in the episode description. Today's story is He Doesn't Bite, written by George Plank. Now, John, what are you doing? Oh, uh, well, Jane, what's your number one complaint about living here in the void? Um, probably the constant dread of living in a liminal space that seems to be unstuck in either time or space with no semblance of sensory feedback and... The fact that there's no entertainment. Right! Uh, it's a close second. So, I thought it might be a good idea to start training some of Doreen's cats to do some tricks. Like what? Watch. Okay, roll over, up, jump, through the hoop. I have to admit, that was pretty fun to watch. And now we light the hoop on fire. You'll never succeed if you don't try, Dimitri. You're only holding yourself back. Dimitri? Yeah, uh, that cat's name is Dimitri. Don't you hear the cat's name whispered to you in an ancient tongue whenever they get close to you? No. Oh. We should probably go get that. Watch this. Sayako, mail time! How did you train them to do that? Honestly, they'll do it on their own if you let them. These letters are just like, um, uh, something to cats. Uh, Shoot, I had the word a moment ago. It's uh, something that cats like. Catnip? Uh, None for me, thanks. Uh, Thank you, Sayako. Sayako. Sayako, drop it. Thank you. Off you go. Hmm. 
slow down. The park's not going anywhere. The little ball of fur at the end of the leash I just so happened to be holding took no notice of my protest and continued bounding down the sidewalk. Her tongue was hung out in slack-jawed excitement. She didn't walk or run so much as bounce as we rounded the corner of the block. I held onto the fully taut leash for all that I had. I barely had enough energy to keep a vice-like grip on it. There's no way that I'd be able to ever catch up with Visky if she were to realize she was no longer anchored to me. A yawn caught in my throat for a moment, and I thought about closing my eyes until another bound and lurch from the leash pulled me free from my stupor. I haven't been sleeping all that well lately. Visky nearly leapt the fence when we arrived at the dog park. I closed the gate behind me, and as soon as the clasp from the leash was free of her collar, she was off like a shot to terrorize the other dogs. I found a spot on the bench closest to the entrance and watched as Visky ran, rolled, dug, and sniffed every moving thing in the fenced-in area. I yawned, and I could feel my head get ever so slightly heavier. If only I was allowed to rest my eyes for just a moment. Which one's yours? The bench shook a little as a young woman sat down immediately to my right. She was wearing far too many layers for this relatively temperate early autumn day. She had on a wool sweater with a matching scarf and boot combo. Her recently manicured nails were wrapped around her coffee cup, with the cafe chain's logo facing out. Uh, I scanned the field. The white one using the Doberman as a scaling wall. OMG! He's just the cutest! What's his name? Her name is Visky. Oh, like whiskey with a V! It's actually short for viscosity, though I suppose villosity would have been more appropriate. <laughs> I permitted myself a small chuckle, which I cut short when I saw the woman just staring back. She had the same expression as a pedestrian in the headlights of an oncoming car. My eyes darted back out to the field. So, uh, which one's yours? Oh, that one. Uh, hang on. Here, killer! Killer, I thought. Was she one of those people who get intimidating dogs for protection? What is it? A Rottweiler? Pitbull? I've heard they're actually very gentle, but I didn't think today was the day to test that particular theory. She patted her thigh. Come here, killer! There was a slight edge to her voice that made it sound more like a threat. I squinted, trying to make out which of the dogs could possibly be this killer. From the pack emerged the smallest, shakiest chihuahua imaginable. It looked straight ahead as it marched towards our bench. Only when it was face to face with his owner's boots did it even dare to look up with eyes that resembled a set of particularly large marbles I played with when I was a kid. I looked at the dog and then back to the owner. Go on, he doesn't bite. I smiled at the dog like I was attempting to give it a great deal on a used car. Hey there, killer. My hand was mere inches from its head before killer snapped at my fingers. I recoiled and withdrew my hand, which only seemed to make killer angrier. The little terror started barking with the fury of a thousand suns. He's just like a really calming presence, you know? I'm thinking of getting him certified as a surface animal. At the thought of being trapped in a metal tube with that thing at 40,000 feet in the air, I got to my feet and I started walking towards Visky, who looked to have been crowned the de facto leader of the pack, or perhaps a cult leader. 
I hooked the leash onto her collar, and as soon as she heard the snap, she started racing towards the gate. She didn't pull with nearly as much force as she had when she arrived, but she was more than eager to move on. You know, the longer I've had this dog, the more I've realized that her favorite place to go is wherever we're going next. Visky pulled me towards the exit where the woman was standing with Killer in her arms. You know, I'd do anything for my dog. I think it's good they get to get out and socialize. And they seem to have really taken a liking to each other. Killer and Visky stared at each other. Killer growled through bared teeth. Visky fixed her eyes on the chihuahua with an icy intensity that made me shudder. She broke the tension. I'm here almost every Wednesday, by the way. Uh-huh, I said as I undid the latch to the gate. I guess I'll be seeing you then? Uh-huh. Visky pulled me away before the situation got any more awkward than it already was. I was really hoping that this impromptu trip to the dog park may have tired Visky out. <sighs> I yawned to myself again. I don't know if I'd be able to go another night like the ones we had earlier this week. It all started on Monday. After dinner, Visky just stared at the door to the backyard. I thought that maybe she wanted to go out, so I opened the door. She just stayed right where she was and stared. I closed the door and Visky was still as a statue. She remained in pretty much the same state until later that night. I was lying in bed when all of a sudden I hear Visky start barking. I get up to check what the commotion is and there she is, just staring at the backyard, barking. When I tried to open the door again, she starts barking at me. And when I finally opened the door, she ran out of the room entirely. I looked out into the backyard and didn't see anything save for the fence and the glow from the street lamps the next street over. I closed the door to find Visky shaking in the next room. After a few minutes of petting, Visky finally calmed down, but still refused to let me out of her sight. I was just glad to put this incident behind us. Or so I thought. The next night was the same as before. Staring, followed by barking, followed by me having to calm her down. Under normal circumstances, I would never allow Visky up on the bed, but it seemed like it was the only way to get her to calm down. This worked fine until she started barking in the middle of the night. She hopped up on her four legs and started hopping up and down, barking at the top of her lungs. Unsurprisingly, this did nothing to help my sleep schedule. I kept nearly falling asleep at my desk at work because I think I may have gotten a total of one hour of sleep the night before. I don't know where her energy came from, but I hoped that the dog park may have had some effect and she would sleep through the night. So maybe I would sleep through the night. The evening went on without any other incidents. She wolfed down her dinner and the two of us watched our favorite show on TV. Visky curled up in her doggy bed and I climbed into mine. For the moment, it seemed like my plan went off without a hitch. No staring, no barking at nothing, just peace and quiet. I smiled to myself as I could feel the gentle waves of sleep wash over me. I was yanked from my slumber abruptly as I heard the sound of something scraping against the roof. The same type of scattered clamoring that comes when Visky tries to run across a hardwood floor. I tried to go back to sleep, thinking that it was little more than a squirrel or an overeager neighborhood cat who parkoured from a tree branch onto my roof. Then it came again, and I realized that it sounded like it was far too heavy to be a squirrel. More movement, and then it sounded like it jumped from the roof. Surely it scampered off somewhere, I thought to myself. I allowed myself to attempt to sleep again. Then I heard it. The sound was unlike anything I had heard before. It was shrill, like tires squealing against blacktop, 
and low and guttural at the same time. It started quietly at first, but as the source got closer, the sound grew louder. The windows vibrated violently in their panes, and they rattled in chorus. They stopped when something heavy pressed itself against them. Like nails on a chalkboard, the windows wailed as something sharp etched itself against the glass. I didn't want to, but I got out of bed, stomping my feet every step of the way. In the back of my mind, I thought if I created enough commotion, whatever it was would be scared off. I drew back the curtains to see the dark of the backyard. A light breeze wafted across the lawn, causing the grass to move like waves at the beach. Other than that, I didn't see any motion coming from out back. Slowly, I made my way through the house, looking through every window that had a view of the back. But no matter which window I looked through, I couldn't see anything. A couple of times, I could have swore I saw something darting back and forth in my periphery. But when I turned, there was nothing there. I soon found myself staring out the door from the kitchen, which led to the back. I reached over to the right side of the door frame until I felt the light switch to the back patio. I flipped it and the lights came on. Immediately, I could see a handful of flies and nighttime birds caught in the sudden beam. From near the garage, I heard a noise like a yelp, but again, there was nothing to be seen. I breathed a sigh of resignation. I thought that whatever it was making that noise was probably not going to be showing up again tonight. I turned to go back to the bedroom. In the trash can was a full bag. Well... Since I'm up, I said to myself as I grabbed the drawstrings from the trash bag and began tying them closed. I undid the chain and the deadbolt to the back door and stepped out onto the slightly damp grass. The patio light helped me to find my way to the trash can with almost no interference. The lid of the trash can swung open and the bag crashed down into a pile of other bags. I grabbed the lid and was about to close it when I heard something rustling in the grass behind me. I turned around expecting maybe the neighborhood stray cat or even a fairly common garden snake. I once saw a large black snake in the yard sunning itself on one of my walkway tiles. I spent the next week researching all the different types of garden snakes and fauna that lived in the region. What I saw, I don't have a name for. Every time I thought I saw something familiar about it, it took on additional features. I don't know what sort of creature it might have been, but... I can tell you what it was. It was big. I'm about average height, and this thing was two to three head lengths taller than I was. It was intimidating. I couldn't, given the time and circumstances, count the number of legs it had, but it walked on all of them. Its eyes glowed under the night sky with a radiance that was almost blinding. Its teeth were bared and sharp. Something red dripped from its mouth, and from the same mouth came the same high-pitched guttural growl that I had heard from my bedroom walls. Lastly, it was coming right for me. I tried to back up, but I was already by the trash cans. My back was practically against the garage as it was. So, while this thing with a hunter's stance moved forward in increments of yards, I was shrinking away at the pace of centimeters. The growling grew more intense as it drew near. I could hear its increasingly ragged breathing. It inhaled sharply and drew back, ready to strike. And in the moment, I accepted that this may be it for me. I covered my face with my arms for what little protection that may provide. Then I heard the most beautiful sound in the world. I didn't hear the slam of the screen door, nor did I hear the sound of paws in the grass. No. The sound that drew my attention was Visky's quick series of barks. 
I opened my eyes to see my two-foot-nothing ball of white fur standing between me and whatever it was in my art. The creature roared, and Visky kept barking in reply. I saw the creature rear back one of its clawed appendages. I ran forward and wrapped myself around Visky. A sound like a jet engine caught in a hurricane came from somewhere above the trees. The creature looked up and then bounded over my house onto the main street. I had long since abandoned reason for the night, so with Fisky in my arms, I ran out onto the street. I saw the creature running down the block towards the dark end of the road. Fisky started barking, and I looked up to see what she saw. High above the tree line was the shadow of something large and moving. Its form was unrecognizable, but it had eyes that glowed with the same otherworldly color as the creature's. It picked up the creature and began stroking its back. It disappeared into the other shadows of the night, leaving me and Visky standing alone in the middle of the street. Visky kept barking her challenge to the pair that were long since gone. Somewhere else on the block, a door swung open. Hey, can you get your dog to shut up? We're trying to sleep! John, that's littering. You could get fined for that. Just watch. Remember to recycle, Francesca. You certainly have a way with eldritch monstrosities. Well, I wouldn't know about all that. But I sure do get along with cats. So, would you say that you're more of a cat person or a dog person? Jane, I'm a person. Yes, but which do you like more, dogs or cats? (laughs) Gosh. If only dogs were real. Could you imagine? They are. They'd all be heckin' cute puppers and good doggos with their- And you just lost talking privileges for the next two weeks. Ah, again? What did I just say? (sighs) Uncommon Commons is a podcast. It is written and recorded by George Plank and Alex Vitale, and the theme song is composed by Charles Adam Robinson. Our logo is designed by Sam Vitale. Our social media manager is Rebecca Tewksbury. Email us directly at zeronullstreet at gmail.com. Visit our socials or support us on Patreon in the link tree listed in the description below. Rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Uncommon Comments will return on September 6th. Stay, and remember, nothing is real. <laughs>